Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Wednesday, April the 7th, 2021, and I have Nathan Sen about to come on. He is part of the team, actually he's the, one of the founders of a website and application called DBuzz, built on Hive. It's similar to Twitter. It's the same but different, man, in the words of Tommy Chong. It's built on blockchain. That means it's immutable. That means it can't be censored. It means it can't be shut down. And um, it's a really innovative platform. Uh, it's also part now of uh, Marketplace uh, with, uh, with ARC, and we'll be talking about that a little bit toward the end of this episode as well. And I'm sorry, did I say mar Marketplace? I meant Market Square. Uh, which is uh, something that ARC is building, and they're on there along with Hive and a bunch of other really cool folks. Uh, but we're going to have a discussion today about what blockchain is and how it can do more than just provide a, a way to use cryptocurrency. Because obviously that is the number one thing that blockchain is known for, is cryptocurrency. I say blockchain, most people think Bitcoin. But a blockchain is a technology, and tokenizing a form of currency, in this case a private currency like a Bitcoin or an R or a Monero or whatever, is just one application for the technology that we refer to as blockchain. Blockchains can contain any type of information, including information that you want to share with others or information that you want to keep private from others. It can go both ways. And Nathan and his team are doing a great job building this new platform um, to directly complete, compete with and, more importantly, circumvent Big Tech, and I'll have him on in just a moment to talk more about that. Before I do, let me remind you uh, that you can always support our show here by supporting our sponsors. Uh, they do a lot to help make sure that the show is available for you Monday through Friday, five days a week. Uh, both of the sponsors I have for you today have been working with a long time. First, uh, Western Botanicals. I've been working with Western Botanicals as a sponsor since the first year I had sponsors, which was 2010. Since 2010, Western Botanicals has sponsored the show. It's 11 years. And they are an amazing company. I love herbs, but I don't like snake oil. I like companies that say we offer the things that have worked for humanity for millennia. And we'll be honest about them. But I don't like people telling me coral calcium is going to cure cancer or something like that. And there's a lot of that in the alternative medicine space. Western Botanicals has none of that. What they have are re real people that really care about you, that really will answer the phone and help you out with your customer service needs. And if it's herbal and legal, you'll find it at Western Botanicals, where everything is either wild-crafted or organically grown. Next up, the Free State Project. They're actually rather new as a sponsor. I think we've been working with them as a direct sponsor, i.e. they're paying for time on the show for about a year and a half now. Um, however, I've been working with and supporting them, and they've been supporting me since... Oh, I think the first time I spoke at FSP was 2011. And I have been uh, telling the world about FSP for a long time. The Free State Project is a simple concept. Pick a state that has the most likelihood of being influenced for good, drug toward liberty, kicking and screaming against its will if necessary. They decided on New Hampshire. Then move as many liberty-oriented people there as possible to do just that, drag the state kicking and screaming in the way of liberty. They've made amazing progress over a decade now. Uh, they are really an awesome group of people, and they want you to consider – 
If you're going to walk to freedom and get out of wherever you're at, New Hampshire is a possible new home. You can learn more by going to fsp.org forward slash visit NH. How about this? Take a, take a vacation to New Hampshire. Really great place, but have people there who can help you out, tell you where to go, what to do, maybe meet with you, have a beer with you, tell you about the place, and do the thing as kind of a function stacking. See if it's the right new place for you to live and have a great vacation. If nothing else, you meet new people and have a great vacation. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and dig on into this topic. The uh, quote of the day I have for you today is by a guy named John Ronson. And he said, the great thing about social media was how it gave a voice to voiceless people. I wonder if it, feels, it still feels that way today. What, what social media has done today is taken people's voices away. If they don't like what you say, if they don't like how you say it, if they don't like your politics, they shut you down. And you know what they do? They're very clever. They take the people that no one listens to, that only have a few followers, and then don't, they, don't, they don't in general censor them. But as soon as someone starts to get traction... As soon as someone starts to be paid attention to, if they don't like what you're saying, they just shut you down. And I really think we've reached a point now where, given how much power these companies have, if they could legitimately stand up and provide information counter to what's being said that they're censoring, if they could win in the court of ideas... They wouldn't need to use all the power that they have to silence people. Remember the other quote? When you cut out a man's tongue, you don't prove him a liar. You only show that you fear what he might say. That's the world we're in today. And, and Nathan Sen of DBuzz is working hard to change that calculus. With that, hey, Nathan, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Appreciate it. Hey, um... I, I wanted to just start out like I always do. We're here to talk about D-Buzz, decentralization, social media, free speech, lots of really things that are like right in the wheelhouse of my audience. But who who is Nathan, man? Like, uh, what's your background? How did you get into this world of uh, social media and blockchain in the first place? Okay, so I'm Nathan Sin, and when I was about 11 years old, I got into um, computer programming and building video games. And then um, in my early 20s, I, I got really heavily into web design. And then I guess around about 2013, 2014 time period, I became very interested in cryptocurrency. And then in 2015, I actually started working on developing um, on blockchain um, projects. And some of the projects are related to um, CryptoNote or Monero um, and various projects that sprung off of those. Um, and currently, I'm working on a project called Helix Chain, which is a new type of blockchain technology. And then we have um, a team that's working on uh, what's called Dataloft Cloud, which is decentralized um, file storage or, or like cloud storage. And then um, our, our main project is DBuzz, which is a decentralized social media free speech platform. Um, so that's that's kind of who I am and, and my background and, and different projects that I'm working on. So when you originally reached out to me, it was about DBuzz. So let's dig into that a little bit. Can you explain to people what DBuzz is uh, exactly and, and what makes it different than other social media platforms? Okay, so 
DBuzz is a decentralized social media dApp, and we have a strong team of developers who are de dedicated to protecting free speech on online. And the technology that makes DBuzz possible was initially stemmed from Bitcoin. But in addition to just providing uncensorable crypto transfers, the blockchain that we're built on actually offers a censorship-resistant social media experience. And so it, it gets a little tricky moderating content in a way that pre preserves free speech and in a decentralized way versus a top-down control system. But our, our strategy and philosophy is to develop tools that uh, centralized Web2 platforms use but by placing those tools in the hands of our users instead of wielding the tools against our users, freedom to choose for themselves, each user on DBuzz actually gets to define what quality content versus what spam is to them. And, and we do this through um, various decentralized mute lists. So you can follow a list of users who you don't want to see their content but you get to choose that, right? No one chooses that for you. You choose who, which list of users you don't you don't want to see content from these users, right? Um, and the only content that we reduce visibility from our our front end uh, is blatant cases of um, phishing, illegal pornography, blatant scams, and then bot attacks where bots just come in and post the same thing over and over again. But um, we actually allow for the content to be viewable to users who want to see it, except for illegal pornography, which we always ban from our front end. Sure. Um, and then basically all, all the text from any post, no matter who posts it, is stored permanently on, on the Hive blockchain, right? So any, any type of post that you make, the text, that's permanent. Now, the actual media of that, um, is not actually recorded on the blockchain because blockchain um, technology really only records the text from your post. Okay. So let me see if I understand what you're talking about with the ability to, let's say, self-censor, I guess would be a way to describe this. So almost every social media platform that's ever been developed has had the ability to block individual users uh, so that I don't have, like if I have a person that's a chronic problem, I can just make them go away. However... Right. What it sounds like you're saying is, and I, so, you know, what is the source of these lists? Are they like community, uh, crowdsourced so or whatever? Any, so like, anybody can, let me, let me anybody finish. can, let me, let me finish. So, okay. like, does it work this way? Let's say that I have a lot of followers and they like what I'm doing. They can basically clone my list of people that I've said, you don't want to hear from these people. Or is it more yeah. like a collective federation type thing? No, it's exactly what you mentioned before. You would actually be able to create a list, and then your people that follow you or like you could opt in to, to follow your mute list, and then they wouldn't hear from anybody that you put on that list. Which I think is pretty cool because I'm not going to mute somebody because I disagree with them. I'm going to mute somebody because I think they're scum, right? And, and, right? and odds are most of the people that like me and what I do probably agree with me on my scum list, right? Like... It, there are people that I think are, are vile and reprehensible. There are people that are blatant spammers. There's definitely scammers in the world. Um, if you want to see scammers, put up any video on YouTube about cryptocurrency. Wait 10 <laughs> minutes and look at your comments. 
Like that's right. It, it's like it's like scammer bait, right? Like every time I do a video that mentions cryptocurrency, it's like okay, I'm going to be on it all day, deleting and blocking people. So what you're saying is like we can collectively define that segment of the of the society that's undesirable to us. But if you like them, well, then you can see them. Like it's not up to me exactly. what you see and you don't see. It's up to you. Exactly. And we're we're gonna put together kind of like a marketplace of lists, so you can go and look at lists that are popular, um, and, and that a lot of people follow. So you get an idea of okay, I want to follow this list, but I don't want to follow these lists, and and kind of oh, allow oh. the community to decide for themselves. You know which list they want to follow. Do I want to? I'm following this person, so I'm going to follow their list, or I create my own list, and then people can follow my list. So I see this. That's even a bigger thing. So. For instance, I know that there'll be people that will follow me on a platform, and they'll say, "Well, who does he follow?" And then they'll go in individually and they'll choose people out of that list. What you're saying is not only can we have like an exclude list, but like just follow everybody Jack follows. Right. You could do you could do that also. But as far as like the mute list, we actually create a marketplace. So you oh. go and say, um, "This is a marketplace. This is Jack's list. He's very popular. So many people follow." Jack's mute list, so I'm going to follow his his mute list as well, okay. right? And so you get an idea of which which list, and maybe there's conversation around those lists and the people that are on them, you know. So that's all all stuff that we're just starting now to roll out. Um, we actually just rolled out the first part of our mute list features just this week, and so it's something that we're we're constantly working on and developing and, and working with the community and getting p feedback from people like you. To kind of see what what your ideas are, uh, and what type of features you would like to see. So let's talk a little bit about blockchain as a thing. Like my audience is probably more informed about blockchain than a lot of them. But I mean, we have people find this show the first time every day. You know, every day we have new people, right? So like, can you just start off with like, what is blockchain? Because I think a lot of people maybe know like they know about Bitcoin and they understand that. Bitcoin's a thing, or that you know, pirate chain's a thing, or that you know, any other crypto's a thing, but they don't really understand what a blockchain itself is. Okay, so a blockchain is basically what all cryptocurrencies. Well, I won't say all, but the vast majority, the good cryptocurrencies, run on blockchain. And a blockchain is a mutable distributed ledger similar to a database, and the content that's recorded on it cannot be altered or changed. And this is made possible due to It's distributed network of computers around the world that maintain and verify the information that's recorded. And any type of alteration to this record would be noticed and rejected by the other nodes on the network. And so the, block, the blocks of information, they can't be edited after they've been accepted by the majority of the network. And so once a, a block or a transaction has been accepted by the, the network, that's permanent. It will never be able to be altered. Gotcha, gotcha. So then moving on from there, we hear decentralized all the time. What exactly does that mean, especially as it pertains to the type of technology we're talking about with social media? So decentralization is a system of processes that are distributed or delegated away from a central authority. And this is done by having a network of computers all around the world that anyone can run, and they all have transparency and agree on the protocol for how the information is stored and recorded on those nodes. 
And, and that's what, what creates decentralization is that you have all these different people around the world that are all agree on this is the protocol that we're going to run. This is all agree on this. And anybody that tries to go against that protocol, the rest of the network will call them out and say no. And, and that's, you know, that is, for instance, how cryptocurrency works, because each block that comes to the top of the chain is then agreed upon by consensus. And we all then agree that this piece of Bitcoin or this piece of, you know, Ethereum or whatever now is over here and it, it can't be duplicated. But we are doing the same thing with content. We all agree exactly. that this piece of yeah. content exists. Here it is. This is how you find it. This is how you read it. And then it's immutable. In other words, it doesn't go away. One thing I've always wondered about, though, you did mention things like censoring illegal pornography. Totally agree with it. But how do those two worlds go together? You have this immutable blockchain, but yet you say if some, some jack wagon puts up child porn, you're going to take it down, which you're required by law to do. How do those right. two things you know, go against each other there? So the way that that would work is the blockchain only stores a limited amount of information. And so what we put on the blockchain is the text and the link to whatever you're linking to, okay. right? And that's stored permanently on the, the blockchain. Now, if you go on our website and you upload an image, that image is actually not on the blockchain, it's on our servers, right? Ah. So we would just go and delete the image. Your your text post would be on the blockchain, which we can't we can't censor that, but the actual image that you put up, we can take that down and we would. Gotcha. That makes that makes perfect sense. And I think there's different ways different people handle it, but that's that that makes sense for the way you're doing things because you're basically a micro blogging platform. And if, if someone were to link to something else, yeah somewhere else on the internet, we would basically just block that link from our front end so it wouldn't would no longer show up on our front end. It would just be, you know, blurred out. It's there on the blockchain. It, if somebody but it's into on the, the base. It's on the blockchain. If someone wanted to go and find it through a blockchain explorer, well that's you know that's, that's their decision. I can't really control that. But if they go to D dot buzz, they're just not gonna see that. They're just not gonna see it and there won't be a link to it either. Okay, cool. So why is decentralization so important to this type of thing? Well, decentralization is important since decentralized platforms give users ownership of their content and prevent their voice from being taken away. And Twitter and Facebook are perfect examples of what happens without decentralization. This, their centralized platforms are not only prone to abuse, but they're actually being used to suppress free speech and social engineer entire societies. And and they do this by rigging their algorithms and, and shadow banning opposing views. So they're, they, they're running algorithms that promote content that kind of pushes their agenda and while they're silence people who don't even realize they're being silenced it, through shadow banning. And so we're looking to create a new system where there's not some type of centralized authority that that's able to manipulate entire societies that are unaware of what's really going on behind the curtain. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, I mean, the quote of the day I had for the the, the lead segment in today's show before I brought you on was by a guy named, guy named John Ronson. And he said of social media quite a while ago, obviously, at this point, The great thing about social media was how it gave a voice to voiceless people. And right. I think that's what social media was. 
The fact that, you know, being, the fact that some kid, with an idea, you know, yeah, that's some kid with an idea, though, in like 2014, who had done a good job of building up a follower base, could go on Twitter or Facebook and, and, and put out an idea and it would circulate around the world, was incredibly powerful. But then what we had is the people that provided the platform deciding, well, do we want this person's voice to spread around the world or do we want to shut it down or shut it off? And I've never had a problem with the even the basics in the, those platforms of what you would call censorship, as long as I understand the rules going in and the rules are the same for everybody. If that's the case, then I know what I'm getting into. But but millions and millions of people brought their time, their talent, their resources, and their energy to these platforms. They followed the rules, and then one day the platforms just decided the rules changed. The rules changed. And, and you have zero recourse. And if you could censor, I mean, people love or hate Trump, or I guess there's a lot of people like me that don't really give a shit one way or the other. Um, but if you can shut down the president of the United States of America's ability to communicate, whose can't you shut down? And how is anybody well, okay with this? I just, I, I don't get how anybody thinks this is okay. No, I totally agree. And, and I mean, the fact that they can do that to a sitting president basically says that no one's off limits. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I only see one solution, and that is these types of platforms, because um, I, I do keep getting invitations to like every platform that's out there. And I'm on some that are not decentralized. I've already put the energy in there. They're, you know, they're working fine for me. I left Facebook and Twitter long ago. Um but I will never put energy into building a platform again that's not on a blockchain-type situation. And when people say, why? And I just say, parlor. Because in six exactly. months, I built a following of, like, you know, thousands and thousands of people on parlor. It was really gaining traction. It became kind of my most interactive social media platform I had. And parlor didn't screw me. Apple Amazon and Amazon screwed Parler, and that screwed me by by proxy. So, like, when people are like, well, why won't you get it? What the hell is that new thing? It's like a talking thing, uh, Clubhouse. Well, because I'm not, I'm not getting in line to be parlored, right? Like, either the company is going to sell out or the tech giants are going to deplatform the company. And then – Well, one of the – I mean, One I look at what you're doing the thing. way I look at, like, Bitcoin. Like, the government can even know I have a Bitcoin, right? And they say, give us the Bitcoin. Right. And I can say, no. Well, we're going to take it. Well, go ahead. If you can, you can go ahead. Here's the address. Take it. Right? And what are they going to do? Yell? Scream at it? It's not going to listen to them. If they don't have the private key to go with it, they can't have it. They can't make it go away. They can't get rid of it. It's there. And I have access right. to it, and they don't. And the only way I see exactly. to get around the parlor paradigm, I guess, is, or the I call it the parlor paradox, is let's make this where you just don't get to do that anymore. Exactly. And, and like I was going to say, one of the beautiful things about doing this in a de decentralized, distributed manner is that our platform can become completely, um, resistant to being shut down through servers being turned off or any, any of these different methods like they used to sh shut down Parler. And the way that we are doing this is that our application is actually a 100% front-end application. That means that the entire application 
runs directly in your browser and communicates directly with um, the blockchain nodes. And so there's no centralized server that could be confiscated or taken down that would shut our website off. Now, D.Buzz is on what they call, you know, a DNS domain. Mm -hmm. And if they were to say, you know, we're going to seize this, this domain, which is unlikely, but say that happened, um, then you would not be able to access, you know, D.Buzz through the regular, you know, internet browser. But there are solutions that are being worked on called ENS, and there are various other ones where we actually circumvent DNS and actually record our um, records on the blockchain. And so when you type in um, DBuzz in your browser, then instead of it going through DNS, it goes um, and looks on the Ethereum blockchain and, and says, this is the IPFS record for DBuzz. And then IPFS is similar to, to the way that um, HTTPS works, but it's a distributed um, system, and it would just find that that hash for the the IPFS, and then it would pull up Dbuzz on your computer. And that that um, the file that it goes and gets, which is the Dbuzz application, can be stored across all these different IPFS nodes all around the world. And so there's no single server that you turn off, as long as it has somewhere on an IPFS server anywhere around the world. If you type type in the DBuzz domain and it looks on ENS instead of DNS and it pulls up the hash and then uploads the website, right? So there's no we, – we're trying to create a, a system where it can't be shut down just because the tech giant decides they don't like you anymore. Well, and I think that, like, that's, that's the thing that's happening. Like, that's – we're there. Like, it, in fact, everything we need for it already exists – it's just the case that people aren't as familiar with it or using it yet. But I think that, like most technologies, the user you got sophisticated users and you got like the average user, right? So, right. I, I was using the internet, or at least the, the the precursor to the internet in 1985, right? When I was sitting on my Commodore 64, individually dial, dialing into chat <laughs> boards, right, and and having yeah. conversations with you know somebody from. I was in Jacksonville, and they were St. Augustine, and we were able to have a conversation about stuff. And, like, that was amazing to me at the time. The average person, like, in 1993, 1994, Good Morning America was like, what is Internet? And trying to figure out what the at symbol was, right? And it took AOL making a disk. They sent it out. You put it in your computer, and it went, you've got mail. And then all of a sudden, when it became easy, everybody was online. And I think a lot of these um, circumvention of the standard technologies – are getting more and more user-friendly. And as they do, I don't even know that people will even really know when they're using them at times. Like one minute you'll be on HTTPS, the other minute you're going to be on IPFS. And you really won't know and you won't care. You just see what you want to see. Exactly. And that, that's something that my team is very focused on, trying to make these solutions more user-friendly. And, and that's a very big discussion that we have very often because they'll come in, oh, look at this, how, how we're going to do this. I'm like, okay, we're going to have to make this more user-friendly. If my mom doesn't understand it, then we're going to have to try and find ways to simplify it. And there's a learning curve. You know, Bitcoin was very difficult in the beginning for a lot of people to wrap their minds around, but now it's become more mainstream and people are being able to figure it out more. And I think it's just a, a learning curve that takes time, but you also have, we also have to build tools to make it 
simpler and easier for the, the average user to understand. Yeah, because it amazes me still, and I think there's like there's the actual hurdle, and then there's the mental hurdle for people. Like, because I still have people today telling me I can't figure out how to buy Bitcoin. I'm like, do you have a right. bank account? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you could set up a bank account, you could set up a Coinbase account, right? Exactly. Like, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why you can't figure out how. Well, you know, I think the the first step of figuring out how to do something is to try to do it, and exactly. then if you try, then you'll probably figure out how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and now we've kind of talked about this in a roundabout way the whole time through this, but free speech. Um, clearly, this is important to you, or you wouldn't be putting your time and energy into building a platform who, yeah, it's kind of cool and, and edgy that it uses blockchain, and it will enable, I, I imagine, the exchange of value through cryptocurrencies, and uh, it's immutable. But if it wasn't, I, I don't know that you would be doing it if we didn't have a problem in the world Opposing free speech, like like that seems to be probably the driving force for what you're doing and what many people are doing with these technologies today, um, because you didn't get really in a hair about building something that was Twitter-like before the, this all started. So what makes free speech, in your view, so important that you're willing to put this time and effort and money into trying to build this type of a platform? Well, for me, free speech was granted to us as a human right. And without that human right, without freedom of speech, tyranny will follow. And we've seen it all throughout history that anytime our freedom of speech is taken away, what comes next is not pretty, you know. So for me, it's very important that regardless of whether you agree or disagree with someone or what they're saying, they should have the right to be able to say it. And if you don't want to hear it, then don't listen to what they have to say, right? And I think that having an open dialogue and not just saying, oh, this person said one thing bad, so we're not going to listen to anything else they say, that's a very, very dangerous direction to go, right? Because everybody has said something in their life that was incorrect or they probably shouldn't have said. And if we're going to set the, the standard or set the bar so high, then there's no limit or level to, to what can be censored or what we are not going to be allowed to say in the future if we don't stand up right now and do something about this. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And what are some of the things that DBuzz is doing specifically to expand and protect free speech? So... DBuzz has created a censorship-resistant platform, and we're working to raise awareness of the importance of free speech. And we're doing this um, through, like, just dialogue between me and you and, and trying to um, create content and, and promote, because there's a lot of people that don't understand wh what is so important about free speech. But I've studied history and I've lived in various countries around the world where I've seen what happens when, when freedom of speech is taken away from populations. And um, for me, our mission, that is, that is our, our mission, it is to promote free speech and to give people a safe place online where they will have free speech. Gotcha. So, What is your overall overriding agenda? What do you guys hope that DBuzz becomes? 
So our agenda is to have no agenda other than to preserve freedom of speech online. And I don't take any type of political stance, any type of social stance on anything controversial, contentious, anything. Uh, our only agenda is to preserve free speech. Gotcha. So um, let's talk a little bit also about privacy. Um I've tried to explain many times over the years that there's there's privacy and security and they're not the same thing, right? Like if right. I if I came up with a absolute bomb proof bulletproof glass, let's say uh Scotty's uh transparent aluminum from the 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 old uh Star Trek movies, right? And I built you a house out of that. And I put in the best cybersecurity and best every kind of security there was so that nobody can get into your house without you letting them in. Even they should a, a RPG at you and bounce off, right? You have right. great security. Your privacy is shit, though, because everybody walking by your house can look in and go, oh, look, there's Nathan. He's picking his nose, right? Like, you would have no privacy. What, what makes exactly. privacy important in a world where we talk about security and privacy like they're the same thing? And, you know, how does D-Buzz approach that? Uh, privacy prevent social engineering and allowing access to information such as your private conversations or your financial information or your daily activity or any of your personal information allows for you to more easily be social engineered. And with today's access to machine learning and AI, large amounts of information can easily be analyzed and then that information can be used to manipulate audiences into making purchases, into changing their political stance or their social views, or even to have emotional responses, and in some cases even to act out violently. So preserving the privacy of your information and not just giving it out to anyone in the world protects you from a lot of um, social engineering attacks. And there's a great book, um, The Art of Deception, which talks a lot about um, social engineering and how little bits of your information can be used to manipulate you in ways that you're not even aware that you're being manipulated um, until it's, it's too late. And a, a great example of this is the Facebook experiment, um, where a few years ago, it was Uh, widely publicized on the internet that Facebook was running experiments on their users where they would manipulate your news feed to try and either cause you to have a negative emotional response or a positive uh, emotional response. And, and just by uh, adjusting their users' feeds, they could manipulate their users. And I think that, you know, being more privacy aware can um, protect you from this these forms of attack. Yeah, I, it makes me think of uh, Social Dilemma. I, I don't know if you've seen that documentary. It's on Netflix. Yeah, Anybody in the audience that hasn't seen that, you, they really need to watch it. And I thought what was really interesting, since you've seen it, you know that they have like these three kind of geeky guys that represent each one of me. They're not real people, but they represent a different piece of the algorithm in Facebook that determines how to get you to, like if you quit, how to get you to come back, what email to send you, right? Or like if, you, if you're just scrolling through your feed and you're not stopping, what do we put in? And these three guys have this conversation like, oh, ooh, Nathan's not really using Facebook anymore. Uh, what do we do? And like 
you could never employ those three guys and have enough of them to do all the billions and billions of users inside Facebook. But with AI, that's the reason they use that is so it would make it real to people that this is actually what's being done to you. This computer is figuring out, oh, you know what? Uh, Nathan slows down his role every time he sees a picture of his ex-girlfriend. Boy, I bet you, I bet you if we found a picture of his ex-girlfriend with a guy, that he'd really stop and look at that. And then take that into, that's a, that, that's actually a pretty benign version of manipulation. You take that into anything, right? So all of a sudden, if you're pro-gun, you're going to see nothing but anti-gun, right? Like that's, that's what you're yeah. going to see. And they're going to keep doing this. And they do it over and over, and then what magnifies the result is they sell that information. They make that information available to others, and this is not new. I, when I kind of really backed off of this, I found out about when I was still using Facebook, um, if you're going to use it, there's a thing called Facebook Container that you can use as an extension in your browser that locks things out from, from following you where you go. But I went to Tom Thumb, and I bought a copy of uh, the 80s miniseries called The Blue and the Gray about the Civil War. And they're like, well, do you have a discount card? I'm like, sure. So I throw my discount card down and I get my, you know, two points off or whatever. And I go home and I watch this on my TV. Now, this is way back in the day where this is DVDs. There's no correlation in my mind. And then the next day, and this was Amazon, not Facebook, but the next day on Amazon, I'm being shown constant Uh, reinforcement to buy Civil War-related things, right? Like, that's not a coincidence. That's data sharing by these tech giants on the back end with retail outlets. So if they And that would have been like, God, that would have been like 2012 or earlier, right? Yeah. Like, if they were doing that then, what they have to be doing now with the technology we have today is insane. It's, it's got... It's gotten pretty pretty outlandish the amount of data and analysis they're doing and feeding it into machine learning algorithms to try to collect information on how to manipulate users on platforms to make different decisions. Yeah. Whether it's political, whether it's purchasing something, whether it's you know, to go to a rally or to whatever they want to try to push, they have ability to sway the general population in certain directions just by collecting. They can analyze all your messages and analyze all your comments and say, oh, this person thinks this, and then they classify you. Okay, this, this person goes into this classification of people, and this is what makes these type of people tick if we show them this type of stuff. So we're going to show them more of this stuff, and then it just goes on and on and you know for you know the past 15 years they've been working on building these algorithms and making them better and better and it's gotten to a point and you know some people ask me you know why build uh, on blockchain and why do it the way that you're doing why if you have a problem with facebook why not just get a, a copy of facebook and make your own facebook and the, really the issue is is that i don't expect people to trust me In fact, I would tell you, don't trust me, yeah. right? I want to create a trustless um, platform where the user is trans – everything is transparent that we are doing, and the user can choose for themselves what tools 
they want to make it available so they have a better experience on the platform. And I'm not the person sitting behind the computer and saying, this is good for you, this is good for you, this is good for you, this is bad for you, right? They decide that on their own because they don't need me to tell them that, right? Each person has, has the God-given ability to make decisions for themselves, right? And I think it's almost a slap in our face that the social media companies in Silicon Valley are saying that you're stupid, you can't make good decisions, so we're going to have to make it for you and not allow you to see this, or we can't allow you to hear what this person has to say because you're stupid. And that's kind and of that what they're is saying. what they're saying, just to reinforce what you're saying. That is exactly their opinion. It is not, we're doing this because we're evil. Almost all evil people believe in their evil ideology. And if you just weren't a dumbass, you'd understand how dangerous this is. So, like, I might protect my child from seeing things like, that movie's a bit much for an eight-year-old, so you're not ready yet. They think that's what right. they're doing. They're protecting you as a grown-ass man or woman from your own stupidity. And that is yep. arrogant, arrogant, ar that, that's power and absolute, et cetera. I mean, that's like, you know. And the only way, the only way to circumvent that is, like, we had parlor right but we've seen what happened with that and even with parlor depending on the politics that happen inside of the shareholders meeting and funnels down you can still end up with a system that is not transparent and not in the interest of all the users the only way to get around that is in a distributed blockchain solution that is transparent and that users make decisions for themselves and not a centralized control. Yeah, and I think like the more you can do to protect people's privacy, the better as well. Like a little bit more before we wrap up on how you guys do that. For instance, I had the guys from Polarity Exchange on and um, they're a, a decentralized crypto exchange. And I said, so if I, you know, I have, you know, I have an account with you because I told you. And if I said, go tell me which account on your exchange is mine, because I didn't use anything personally identifying when I did it, they can't, right? Instead of using a phone, like one thing that even with Dex Exchange, a lot of times they use a phone number for, um, for security, for you know, two-factor authentication. Well, since they don't use a phone number, they use True2FA. Like they, it, the reason that I can trust that they won't give my information to the federal government It's not because I trust them. It's because they can't. They couldn't right. do it if they wanted to. And I, I like that angle. Like, are there some things you've done to make it where you can't betray somebody's confidence? Not not because you're a nice guy, but because... And I think it is, in some way, you're a nice guy, right? And in, in that we are smart enough to know if you give... We've learned lessons of history. If you give me enough power, I can't guarantee you that I won't succumb to it. So prior well, power, to having uh, the power, right, prior to having the power, I'm already right. going to prevent myself from having. I'm going to lock myself out. Well, I can't, I can't answer that. Um, the way that, that that works is that two plus two will always equal four. Mm -hmm. And with encryption, you can encrypt things from me to you using a public-private key encryption. And that is something that we are taking advantage of and encrypting content that while all the posts on Dbuzz are public right now, we're working on ways that you can create closed groups mm. and use public private key encryption to where 
Only people with the keys to those groups can see the content there. We already have a private messaging, decentralized private messaging, where I can message you directly, and it's done through blockchain. And those messages are publicly on the blockchain, but they're encrypted. And the only way that you can read those messages is if you have the private key that those those messages are encrypted to. And it works the same way as Bitcoin. There's no way that you can send Bitcoin unless you have the private key. And there's no way that you can read encrypted messages unless you have the private key. And that that is, you don't have to trust me because I don't, I can't read your message you unless you give me your private key, right? The same reason so, I trust Jax with my, running my wallet on Jax or on Coinami because exactly. my keys, yeah. my coins, that, You know, you could, they can shut it off. I still have my private key. I can still recover my wallet anywhere that I want to. And they, like, again, if the, if the, if the U.S. government goes to Coinbase and says, here's Jack Spierko's social security number, give us his account records and give us access to account and freeze his assets, they can do it. They might and fight they it. it. They, they might fight it. They might not. Who knows? But they can do it. If they go to yeah. Jack's and say, we believe Jack Spierko owns a Jack's wallet, Give us his account information and freeze his assets. They're like, if they if they if they went to them and they showed them a picture of me doing something horrible and the people behind Jack's lot was the most awful human in the world and they wanted me destroyed, they're still like, I, I, I I'd love to help you, but I, I can't. I don't right. have I don't have the information. I think that's the only way, um, to trust people is to not have them have certain powers like. That's what the Constitution poorly attempted to do was limit power, right? But and that's, that's why we're that's why we chose to, to build in in the way that we're building instead of going through the standard centralized website. We actually went the extra mile to make it decentralized and on blockchain. And we started working on this a little over a year ago. Uh, a lot of development has gone into this, and. From what we've seen, there's very little competition right now in this arena um, because uh, the technology is new and, and people don't entirely understand it. And there have been attempts made to do it on other blockchains, such as Ethereum. But the problem with doing it on Ethereum is that if you've used Ethereum, you know that transaction fees are very high. Yeah. And, and sometimes they're outrageous. And no one is going to pay transaction fees to post social media content onto a blockchain is just not going to happen. Nor are they going to, let's the, say, tip me, you know, 50 cents if it costs them $3 to do it. Exactly, right? It's just not going to happen. But with the high blockchain, transactions are free. And wow. we use what's called resource credit. So whenever your account is created, you get so many resource credits. And those resource credits allow you to make so many posts, and then your resource credits go down. And then after so many days, your resource credits will be recharged to 100%, and you can post, you know, again and again. And then your resource credits will go lower and lower the more posts and the more activity that you have on chain. If you want more resource credits, then you can put more Hive on your account, and then you get more resource credits. But a standard account comes with enough resource credits to make posts and interact as a normal user on the chain without any problem. Cool. Cool. So, hey, um, one of my favorite crypto projects out there is a company called ARK. 
and they've been making a lot of noise. And I, I got to admit, I don't really fully understand exactly what it does uh, yet, but they've been making a lot of uh, noise about something called Market Square launching this year. And I noticed uh, when I was taking a look at them the other day that DBuzz is part of Market Square. So can you, you know, I don't know if that's something you could talk about or whatever. Can you give us any thoughts on why DBuzz and Hive, by the way, you mentioned Hive, are, are part of the Market Square? Um, we were actually approached by um, Market Square and wanted to know if we wanted to um, work with them. And so that's something that we're still working on um, and how this partnership with, with ARC and Market Square will work. But from what I understand, ARC is basically on board with the idea of decentralizing the web in a way that we have the same user experiences that we have with all the applications and websites that we use right now, but in a, a de, um, distributed and decentralized way. And that's why it says, you know, Market Square is the homepage of the decentralized web. Okay. And I think their idea is to promote different applications that are built on this type of technology. As much as I love the guys at ARC, I just don't feel that they've really explained publicly exactly what makes this thing so awesome yet. So I appreciate the insight there because this, I mean, ARC's a currency I've, I'm, I'm a long holder on. Uh, I've always said that they're like, to me, I think they could be the WordPress of crypto because you can right. point-click blockchain, creating, right? Like They're creating very interesting protocols and tools that can be used to develop this type of application. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I just, I, I just, I, this is not your problem, right? I just wish they do a better job explaining. It's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. Um, it, it's, it's difficult to explain because I feel like I would get into terms and in trying to explain technology. Um, that, that it's just difficult to explain to a certain extent. But it, I could say that they're basically creating the backbone for what. Um, other projects can build on their infrastructure to to create decentralized. Um, so and it sounds platform. like it's almost a parallel internet running on blockchain and cryptocurrency. Right, right, exactly. And I and don't, why don't they say to, that? Because that's freaking awesome. I'm not, I'm not, and I almost said I'm the not, other f word, right? Like, like up to date. I'm not entirely up to date on what Arc is doing. Yeah. Um, but I am aware of, of of some of their 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 projects, and I know that. Um, I don't, I don't handle the community outreach so yeah. much as some of my partners who actually have communicated with ARC. So I haven't actually directly communicated. So I don't, you know, have all the inside details on that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey man, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you being on air with us today. Um, the website people can sign up for an account with and get involved with all this is, uh, is D dot buzz. Exactly. Like it says, the letter D period, B-U-Z-Z. Uh, I know it sounds like an unusual domain, but it'll take you there. Are there any other websites or things that you would want people to check out other than that? Um, if you make an account on D.Buzz, you can check out Hive.pm as well, and that is a decentralized messaging app that you can use the same exact uh, account that you use on D.Buzz, the same login credentials and everything, and that will give you access to encrypted messaging. And, and just, I'm not sure I quite heard the uh, the domain extension. It was Hive. Was it DM like uh, Delta Mike? It's DM, like private messaging. Okay.
So it's PM. So hide dot. PM or DM? Which one is it? PM, like private messaging. Okay, so so Papa Papa Mike. Okay, cool. I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes with this. And I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us on the air today. And uh, I appreciate the work you're doing. I think that uh, I don't know who's gonna who's gonna hit this like and hit the home the Grand Slam home run with it. But I do think this is the future of social media because. We've learned that the old way doesn't work anymore. It works for the people right. that control things, but it does not work for the people that want a voice. Uh, and as I said, our, our, our quote of the day today uh, was that the great thing about social media was how it gave a voice to voiceless people. And what it seems like is what the tech giants have done is they gave everybody a voice, and then they silenced the ones they didn't like. And so I appreciate you guys making an effort to, to re restore that voice to those people. Well, I appreciate you having us on and, and allowing me to share about our project and the work that we're doing. And um, I hope that the, that maybe it can be a, something that makes a, a little change in the world and helps pre prevent tyranny from taking over and, and can preserve our freedom of speech for the long run. Uh, with that, I've wrapped things up. I, I am on D-Buzz, by the way. I just joined today uh, after having this interview. Um, I tried to join a few weeks ago in getting ready for this, and it gave me technical problems uh, that I had to get around. And I think I figured out what it is, believe it or not. I think it's when they ask for your phone number to text you the confirm, you have to include the one prior to your area code. Because I kept getting a stupid error that said too short. Well, it didn't really correlate to the phone number, and that's what it was. So like any new technology, onboarding sometimes there's some technical glitches. So I've got one little post up there. I'll keep posting to it. But if you want to follow me, you can go to uh, the today's episode, which is episode 2852, and you'll find my uh, D-Buzz profile, and it'll start appearing in my daily mail and all my correspondence and uh, things like that. I'll add it to the Get Social page of the website. Remember, not just D-Buzz. I am on a lot of social media platforms. None of the legacy ones, all of the new ones uh, in general. And uh, you can find all of those uh, on the Get Social page of the website or in every episode of the show in the show notes. Or if you're on the Daily Mail, you can find it there. And remember, one of the best ways to stay in touch with us and the things that we're doing is Telegram. I have a Telegram channel. That means you don't have to listen to the other, you know, 2,000 people on the on the group talking. You just get announcements from me. And sometimes when it comes to things like an item of the day that's on sale or something like that, it's really beneficial. There are times I find really great deals, and by the time the show comes out, they're already sold out. That's not going to happen today because uh, the item of the day that I have for you today is a really cool one, but I don't think they're ever going to run out of them because it's print-on-demand technology. It's a book. And it's called The American Boy's Handybook, What to Do and How to Do It. And uh, in my write-up on this, on, on the site today, I explain where I learned about this book. I had a really great friend back when I worked for Lockheed Martin uh, many, many years ago as a contractor. And he was on one of the cr a crew that I ran out there. His name was Kurt Nothnagel. And uh, he was a really cool guy. He was a couple days older than my father, right? So we had kind of a generation distance. But we still became really good friends, and we hung out quite a bit. And one day he shows me this book. And it was barely held together, but it was readable, and it was still, you know, it was it was an authentic original book from the 1890s, uh, an 1890s printing. So it wasn't the very first printing, which was in 1882. But it's called The American Boy's Handy Book, What to Do and How to Do It. 
And I tried to buy it from my friend. He was not interested in selling at any price, and so he kept the original. Years later, I found out that since it was no longer in uh, copyright protection, it was in the public domain, it had been reprinted, and you can buy a modern copy of it printed in the exact same stuff that was in it back in the 1880s. As you might imagine, a book written for boys in the 1880s was a little bit more daring, a little bit more adventurous uh, than books today for boys. Uh, there's things in there like how to make a sling bow, uh, how to kill an animal and mount it as a taxidermist. Lots of stuff. Translation, the politically correct and safety police, and I'm sure the social justice crowd and the woke crowd would lose their minds over this book. If for no other reason than that, if you have kids, grandkids, ne uh, nephews, etc., you should get them a copy of this. There also is a copy, there's a, a like a companion book, called the American Girls Handy Book. I haven't actually read it yet. I have a copy of it. I just haven't gotten a look into it. I got it for my granddaughter. She gets a little bit older. I'm not endorsing it. I'm not sure if it's as good or anything. But the American Boys Handy Book is freaking awesome. Your kids should have it. Uh, we have a bubble wrap society, and this is one way to not only remove the bubble wrap, but to take a look back you know, a little over 100 years ago And understand that if, if kids back then could do these things, there's no reason they can't do them today. There's no reason they can't do them today. Check it out. Again, it's called the American Boys Handy Book, What to Do and How to Do It. You can find it uh, on the survivalpodcast.com. Just scroll down a little bit from today's episode. Or, as always, you can help us out and find all my recommendations. And no matter what you buy, you support us. If you simply start your online shopping where? T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T-S-P-A-Z-T
just brushed it off at first Cause I didn't know how much my little girl had been hurt Or the things she had seen I wasn't ready when I said you can tell me And she said Listen the classroom, Alyssa lies, every day at school, Alyssa lies to the teachers as she tries to cover every bruise. My little girl laid her head down that night to go to sleep. As I stepped out the room, I heard her say a prayer so soft and sweet. God bless my mom and my dad and my new friend Alyssa. Oh, I know she needs you bad because Alyssa lies to the classroom. Alyssa lies every day at school. Oh uh-huh. 